You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, good morning. Or is it Merry Christmas? Uh, I don't know, it's the day after Christmas, so I'm not real sure protocol here. But anyway, I'm Kenny. In case you don't know me, uh, I am a member here at Cross Point, and uh, I have been volunteering with the youth ministry for nine, ten years, uh, since 2012. Um, some of you may have showed up this morning expecting to hear Chris preach, and, and that's understandable. Just uh, think of me as a larger, less talented version. Seriously, though, I do want to thank Chris for the opportunity. Um, this will be my first go at a sermon in front of a congregation. So uh, you guys get to be my guinea pigs. Congratulations. Um, I'm not going to lie. The, the first uh, few times I did a dry run uh, on this sermon uh, was for the dogs. Um, I'm sure they were wondering why I was trying to, uh, to offer them salvation. But uh, I, I clocked in at right around 20 minutes. Uh, a few nights ago, I did it for my uh, family standing in the living room. And... Uh, I think I came in right right under 15 minutes. So, if all goes to plan, I'll get super nervous talking to you guys, blow through everything I have in 10 minutes, and uh, we could shut it down early and, uh, and beat the Methodists to all the restaurants. It, yeah. It has been a lot of fun. Um, it has been a lot of fun preparing this through a holiday weekend. Um, you know, Friday morning I was I was sitting around. I was I was working on fine tuning some of this sermon and um my my wife was cooking breakfast and she asked me to turn on some christmas music it's christmas eve shocking and um so i turned it on and first song came on was it's beginning to look a lot like christmas i thought clearly this guy has never been to south texas in december so um yeah as soon as we're done i'm going home to to work on my tan I do love Christmas songs, though. The um, thing about Christmas songs is they never change uh, from year to year. So the same songs we hear this year are the same songs you heard five years ago when you were a kid. Um, and they, they call to mind memories, you know, and they're, they're typically happy memories. Um, you know, for me, one of my, one of my fondest memories was um, as a child was when we would go visit my, uh, my grandparents in Mississippi. Uh, we lived in Amarillo at the time, and... Uh, so we weren't able to get to Mississippi that often. Uh, it was kind of a long, long trip. But my, my grandparents, they had this place out in the, uh, out in the backwoods of Mississippi. And, uh, my sister, I have a sister that's, that's a year younger than I. And, uh, she and I, we were the only grandkids at the time, which was super cool, by the way. Um, we would spend hours running around in the, the woods around their house. And, um, one of our favorite things to do is when we'd go down there, my uh, my mamma, I called my grandma mamma. Yeah, I know. Uh, she would take my sister and I down to uh, down to this creek that ran behind their house. It was a pretty decent sized creek. Um, you know, it wasn't all that deep, uh, but she'd take us down there to fish or, or swim or whatever. Um, and to my young eyes at the time, the the current of this creek really seemed to be going faster than it should be, right? Um, but to get where we needed to go, 
uh, we had to cross over to the other side of, of this creek and, and walk down a little bit. That was the best spot. And so in order to do that, my, my mamma would always step into the creek first, and then she would turn around and take my hand or my sister's hand and direct us across the creek. She would point and say, okay, step here, now step here, until we were across the creek safely. And I mean, I remember being pretty scared the first time. I, uh, I was uh, terrified, actually. And, uh, and I'm, I'm imagining, as a five-year-old, I'm imagining all these worst-case scenarios, you know. The water sweeps my feet out from under me. The current carries me to whatever body of water I thought existed at the time. You know, alligators, piranhas, sharks. Don't judge me, okay? I'm a child of the 80s. I saw Jaws too many times. But I would always look up and I would always see that my grandmother was still holding my hand, right? And still directing my path, and I was comforted by that. As I got older, I got more confident and more comfortable with the process. And so naturally, the day inevitably came when my grandmother turned around and offered her hand, and I was like, no, no, I'm good. I got it. I got this. Well, my first step that day was onto one of those nasty, slimy creek rocks that have been underwater probably since creation. And, yeah, it's not hard to figure out what what happened next. The thing is, walking with God tends to look a lot like that, right? In Psalm 128, David writes, uh, Blessed are those that fear the Lord who walk in obedience with him. And this thread of obedience is something that that weaves its way through all aspects of the Bible because it's an essential part of our faith. Some would say it's our obligation to obey God, and while that's true, uh, obedience to God is, is not something we should do uh, strictly out of obligation or as a matter of duty. Ultimately, obedience is how we display our love for God. I mean, Jesus even said that in John 14 when he said, if you love me, obey my commands. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have found that sometimes instead of listening to God and following his direction, I sometimes tend to assume a little bit of an I know better than you posture, right? For example, in the past, my prayer time has consisted of asking God for things, making suggestions to God. Giving God my opinion on how things should be done, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure the creator of the universe does not need my advice on how to handle things. And at times like that, it's easy, it's easy for me to miss whatever it is God is trying to tell me. And that's exactly where I found myself a few weeks ago when I scrapped my original idea for this sermon and started over. It wasn't a bad sermon necessarily. Uh, it just it, it, it wasn't the direction that I felt God wanted me to go. You know, it just didn't feel right. Problem was, for the better part of a month, <laughs> that was all I had. <laughs> that was all I was talking about or thinking about. And so I didn't have a direction to go, right? And and all of the stressful, panicky questions start entering my mind. What am I going to talk about now? You know, am I even going to have time to come up with something else? Should I just call Chris and be like, yeah, you know, thanks, dude. Uh, appreciate the opportunity, but, yeah, I'm going to have to pass. I got nothing. All of a sudden, there goes my promising career in ministry. 
But mama didn't raise no quitter. So I, I took a breath. I calmed down. I prayed for some guidance. And I started looking around for inspiration. I pulled up the, uh, I pulled up the notes app on my phone where uh, over the years I've saved different Bible verses. And um, the problem was I hadn't really typed any context in. So while I had saved the verse, I didn't really know why I had saved it at the time. Now, don't get me wrong. There were some good verses in there, um, like Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs is always wise. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Romans 12.2, you probably heard that one. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Uh, Another one from Proverbs 27.15, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Actually, I might know why I saved that one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I adore my wife. And before the ladies of Woven Ministry come up here and drag me off stage, DeAndre was part of my test audience. She was cool with it. Anyway, at the bottom of the page uh, was a verse that I had saved recently. And it really stood out to me, right? It reminded me of a text message that I got um, Shortly after uh, leaving my job at LaGrange Ford back in October. And the text was from a former employee. Uh, he had worked for me for a couple of years uh, before moving on to Greener Pastures back in 19. And, and I, you know, I don't want to misrepresent his intentions. He was, he was genuinely positive and encouraging through the whole text message. But at the end of his message, he did ask me this question. He said, how are you going to properly balance this preacher life out? Now, the point he was making is that based on what he had seen in my words and actions when we were working together, it it didn't reflect what he thought a Christian should look like. So it's a fair question. And not, sadly, the first time that I've heard some iteration of that question. It wasn't that long ago that I've also been told that I'm a different person at work or at home than I am at church. Not recently, but in the last couple of years. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. It stings a little. I mean, my first reaction to that is, well, that's ridiculous. I don't think that's true at all. But you know what? It doesn't doesn't really matter what I think. You know, people listen to words, but they pay attention to action. And if what they're seeing doesn't match up with what they're hearing, they're going to call you on it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's going to be different points in life where you're confronted with the opportunity to obey God or to do something easier to win the approval of people. And don't miss this next part. Being obsessed with what people think of you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks of you. And the reality for most of us is that we tend to drift towards wanting to please people, including pleasing ourselves. So how do we overcome that? Well, I won't read my entire response uh, to my buddy. Uh, It was pretty long-winded, and uh, we only have 20 minutes. But to answer him, I I leaned on a conversation that I had a while back with Chris. And he and I had this conversation because a student had posed a similar question to me. 
And my, my response to him uh, in part was this, is, is that our, our spiritual walk is simply that. It's a walk, right? There's going to be ups and downs. Like all walks, there's going to be changes in speed and trajectory. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be times when you feel strong, like you can just walk forever. And there's going to be times when you really just feel like you can't take another step. You know, I've had, uh, I know I've had times in my life where I'm, where I'm standing over here and I'm like, my gosh, this, this really can't get any worse. And God's standing over here looking at me going, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it probably can. As simple beings, we, we tend to stumble. We have setbacks along the way. Our hope and salvation for those setbacks is found in the death and resurrection of Christ. My walk has certainly had its share of ups and downs. It still does, if I'm being honest. And while most of the feedback I've gotten has been positive, the question of why has occasionally come up. Why go back to school? Why a biblical studies degree? Why leave a 20-year career and answer a call to ministry? What led you to that decision? I mean, even recently, my wife was, uh, was in the store talking to an old acquaintance of hers she hadn't seen in a while. She was bringing her up to speed on, on everything in our life <clears throat> that she had gone back to work. I had retired from LaGrange Ford and was uh, entering into ministry, went back to school, and her friend's response was, oh, that's weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my wife's next question, obviously, was, why do you say that's weird? And she said, well, because your husband doesn't look like a preacher. <laughs> She's not wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been, uh, I've been described as about as dynamic as a paperweight. So, But since I have had a little free time on my hands uh, lately, I, did, uh, I have thought about this a lot. Uh, it was actually a comment that I heard at, um, at lunch one day with, with some other friends uh, about Joseph that kind of gave me a glimpse into, into what the answers to some of these questions might be. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details about Joseph, aside from being uh, Jesus' earthly father. We know he was uh, a descendant of King David. We know that he was from uh, the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And we know that he was pledged to take Mary as his wife. Uh, later in Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus is also referred multiple times as the carpenter's son. So it stands to reason that um, Joseph was a carpenter. But apparently the word, the Greek word for carpenter can also be translated to blacksmith or stonemason. So it's a little fuzzy. Regardless, it's obvious that Joseph was... Um, was someone who was humble, that worked very hard to, to provide for his family. The Bible does give, enough, give us enough glimpses into Joseph's character for us to conclude that he, was, uh, that he was someone who cared very deeply about God. What I found interesting is how Matthew describes Joseph in uh, Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew 1 verse 19... Matthew writes, because Joseph, her husband, her Mary, husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, some translations do word it differently. Uh, The ESV translation replaces faithful to the law with righteous man. 
Um, NLT replaces it with good man. Either way, I always assumed that Joseph's decision uh, or plan to divorce Mary quietly and not bring any shame to her was because of his faithfulness to the law. It was actually in spite of it, and here's why. At the time, if a woman was found to be pregnant before marriage and the husband claimed the child wasn't his, the law, according to Deuteronomy, stated that she be brought to the door of her father's house and stoned to death. So in those scenarios, it's not bad enough that she be found guilty and cast out or stoned to death or whatever. They're going to drag her back to the, the door of her childhood home, and while her whole family stands there and watches, she's going to be stoned to death. Seems a little harsh to me. I don't make those decisions. Now, being faithful to the law, Joseph would have known that. But he also loved God, and he loved Mary. So rather than follow the strict sense of Old Testament law, he chose instead to follow the spirit of Old Testament law and show mercy rather than judgment. This is an example that that God even set at different points all through the Old Testament. I also find it interesting that Jesus, later in his ministry, also shows mercy when asked to judge a woman accused of adultery. I wonder, I wonder how much Joseph's decision here influenced Jesus' uh, actions that day. Anyway, to put his mind at ease, God sent an angel uh, to speak to Joseph in a dream. And this angel encouraged him to not be afraid. And in verse 24, we get to see Joseph's reaction. Matthew 1:24 states, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He obeyed immediately. And this set in motion a, a pattern of obedience for Joseph. After Jesus was born, an angel again visited Joseph and told him to take Mary and Jesus and leave for Egypt to keep them safe from King Herod. After Herod died, an angel again approached Joseph in a dream and said, you can go home, grab Mary and Jesus and head back. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Joseph or Mary for that matter to uproot their lives twice and leave everything. They may not have understood the exact why behind it all, but they obeyed God each time without question. God didn't show Joseph the whole picture, much like my mamaw back in Mississippi. He simply said, step here. And Joseph followed God's direction because he realized something very important. This wasn't about Joseph. It's not about Mary. It's not about the shepherds. It's not about the wise men. It's not even about King Herod. This is about something far greater than all of them. This is about serving a God uh, far, far greater than all of them. Now, I've spent a lot of time recently uh, wondering what God has planned for me. Uh, so earlier this year, after a conversation with my dad, I started to hear God's voice. Now, this is normally where I would make some joke about how God's voice sounds a lot like my wife's voice. I think I played that one to death. But this voice is pointing me in a direction, right? I wasn't sure what it meant. 
I wasn't sure where it would lead, but I took a step. And with each step of of obedience, God has shown me where to step next. Talking to my dad led to a conversation with my family. This led to an idea to pursue ministry. That led to another conversation with my dad. That conversation led to an uh, amicable separation from LaGrange Ford, something I didn't think was possible recently. That led to a conversation with Chris. That conversation with Chris led to an unexpected employment opportunity here at Crosspoint. Each step made, not knowing what the next step will be, but comforted in the truth that God is still holding my hand, directing my path. Where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I have no clue. God has not shown me all the steps. But you know what? It's not about me. This is about serving a God far greater than me. Do you ever find yourself uh, wondering what God wants from you? I mean, do you ever find yourself like I was for so long thinking, I wish God would just tell me audibly in plain English what he wants from me? Well, I, I would ask you this question. Are you ready to hear God's answer? Are you ready to take that first step? Even if he doesn't show you the whole picture, that verse that I mentioned earlier, the one that, that stood out to me, that, uh, that helped inspire this sermon, it was from Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. In all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord. Turn your lives, turn your wills over to him with all your heart. Trust must be complete. It must encompass the entire heart, all of it. To put a half trust in God and a half trust in something else is really a failure to trust God at all. Do not depend. Don't rely on. Don't rest on. Your own understanding. Understanding the human heart is deceitful. It cannot be trusted. Seek his will. Find it. Actively go to it. Actively go out there looking for God's will. And he will show you which path to take. If we haven't been living for him... If we've been living in the world or, or, or for ourselves, we can be transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because God is faithful and he will never leave. What does God want? He just wants you to trust him. He just wants a relationship with you. And no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what decisions you make or have made, God is faithful, and God will never leave you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for everything. We just thank you for everything, God. We ask that you help to guide our path. 
We ask that you help clear our minds and clear our souls to hear what it is you want us to hear. And God, as we go through life and the temptations start to get strong, God, be with us. Be with us so that we know that you are God and that you will never leave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.